Living in Hope. With Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. <sighs> It is uh, it is a wonderful day to honor the legacy and memory of Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, was so glad to hear uh, part of his speech, uh, the Mountaintop speech on Jones Show, and the conversation about what he fought for, what he stood for, and he. You know, why he was in Memphis was for a for for uh, I can't remember which organization was striking. Martin Luther King Jr. Had, as we all know, was such a, a an incredible orator, an incredible organizer, uh, was a leader who people followed, and he had so much passion in his speeches regarding race, and it turned to the injustices of our our class system and injustices everywhere. And uh, there was a speech I listened to a lot when I was uh, running for office. Uh, it was a speech he gave called, What is Your, Your Life's Blueprint? And uh, it's an incredible speech. I didn't get a chance to pick up where he starts here, but let me see if I can pick up. This is available on YouTube. As, as Joan mentioned, there's a lot of great places to listen to speeches. We know uh, the big ones, uh, you know, I Have a Dream... And I've been to the mountaintop. Uh, this is a speech he gave uh, speaking at a school. Let me see if we have. Now that I've gotten the commercial out of the way, <laughs> I'll move on and uh, say some things that I want to say very briefly. And I'm being very honest. I'm going to be brief because I have other engagements. I don't have a tradition of being brief all the time. You know, I'm a Baptist preacher, and we can talk a long time. But I'm going to really be brief today. I want to ask you a question, and that is, what is in your life's blueprint? This is the most important and crucial period of your lives for what you do now and what you decide now at this age may well determine which way your life shall go. And whenever a building is constructed, you usually have an architect who draws a blueprint And that blueprint serves as the pattern, as the guide, as the model for those who are to build the building. And a building is not well erected without a good, sound, and solid blueprint. Now each of you is in the process of building the structure of your lives. And the question is whether you have a proper, a solid, and a sound blueprint. And I want to suggest some of the things that should be in your life's blueprint. 
Number one in your life's blueprint should be a deep belief in your own dignity, your own worth, and your own somebodiness. Don't allow anybody to make you feel that you are nobody. Always feel that you count. Always feel that you have worth. And always feel that your life has ultimate significance. Now that means that you should not be ashamed of your color. You know, it's very unfortunate that in so many instances, our society has placed a stigma on the Negro's color. And you know there are some Negroes who are ashamed of themselves. But don't be ashamed of your color. Don't be ashamed of your biological features. Somehow you must be able to say in your own lives and really believe it, I am black but beautiful. And believe it in your own. And therefore you need not be lured into purchasing cosmetics advertised to make you lighter Neither do you need to process your hair to make it appear straight. I have good hair, and it's as good as anybody else's hair in the world. And we've got to believe that. Now, in your life's blueprint, be sure that you have that a principle of somebodyness. Secondly... In your life's blueprint, you must have, as a basic principle, the determination to achieve excellence in your various fields of endeavor. You're going to be deciding as the days and the years unfold what you will do in life, what your life's work will be. Once you discover what it will be, set out to do it and to do it well. And I say to you, my young friends, that doors are opening to each of you. Doors of opportunity are opening to each of you that were not open to your mothers and to your fathers. And the great challenge facing you is to be ready to enter these doors as they open. Ralph Waldo Emerson, the great essayist, said in a lecture back in 1871 that if a man can write a better book or preach a better sermon or make a better mousetrap than his neighbor, even if he builds his house in the woods, the world will make a beaten path to his door. That hadn't always been true, but it will become increasingly true. And so I would urge you to study hard, to burn the midnight oil, 
I would say to you, don't drop out of school, and I understand all of the sociological reasons why we often drop out of school. But I urge you, in spite of your economic plight, in spite of the situation that you are forced to live so often with intolerable conditions, stay in school. And when you discover what you're going to be in life, set out to do it as if God Almighty called you at this particular moment in history to do it. And just don't set out to do a good Negro job, but do a good job that anybody could do. Don't set out to be just a good Negro doctor, a good Negro lawyer, a good Negro school teacher, a good Negro preacher, a good Negro barber, a beautician, a good Negro skilled laborer. For if you set out to do that, you have already flunked your matriculation exam for entrance into the university of integration. Set out to do a good job and do that job so well that the living, the dead, or the unborn couldn't do it any better. your lot to be a street sweeper. Sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Leontine Price sings before the Metro Metropolitan Opera. And sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the host of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. If you can't be a pine on the top of the hill, be a scrub in the valley. But be the best little scrub on the side of the real be a bush if you can't be a tree. If you can't be a highway, just be a trail. If you can't be the sun, be a star. For it isn't by size that you win or you fail. Be the best of whatever you are. It's a little bit of What is Your Life's Blueprint. It was a speech that Martin Luther, Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave at Barat Junior High School in Philadelphia. October 26, 1967. Uh, I just want to play a little bit of that because I, I loved the uh, speaking to kids, uh, kids of color, uh, talking to them very, very much of build your life. No, and even and this can be for anybody. What is your purpose in life? And to be the best at that, you know, I, I just uh, it mo it just it moved me when I was uh, was running for office, and and the the way he speaks um, just is is mesmerizing. Um, today we honor Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Brian, what's on your mind, my friend? Hello, Patty. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing fine, thank you. Uh, well, uh, I just wanted to say that uh, uh, being uh, Martin Luther King Day, uh, it brings to mind a quote of his uh, I saw in a documentary years ago. Uh, April 15th, 1967, 
Uh, this is almost verbatim. Uh, he said, this confused war in Vietnam is wreaking havoc upon the promises of the great society. Right. And uh, the, this uh, means that uh, Martin Luther King favored uh, the great society promises of Lyndon Johnson. And I believe he unveiled that uh, State of the Union address probably 1964. Uh, and the great society, including that in that, he, uh, Lyndon Johnson said he promised uh, to end uh, uh, all poverty, uh, or there would be no uh, man, woman, or child in America ever again to live in poverty. And the great society programs were a... Uh, uh, Johnson intended it to be a progression of uh, Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal. So uh, Martin Luther King, uh, not only did he come out against the war in Vietnam, uh, he was uh, very much interested in, um, shall we say, uh, jobs and economic issues as well. Yeah, he, you know, I, part of the reason I wanted to play the speech was, you know, you know, the reason that he was in Memphis? Well, that was, uh, 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 you, to, to, to get a union together for, uh, uh, garbage, uh, yes, it was sanitation workers, exactly. And that's why what struck me about the speech when he's talking about, like, he wants to uplift workers, and he knew that in order to do that, it was by through unions and, and giving them voice and power through unionizing. And that's what struck me about the speech and what, why, why he was in Memphis when he was shot. Uh, yeah, he was very big on unions, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On unionism. And uh, so I think um, uh, we should uh, uh, keep uh, everything in mind uh, in relation to, uh, as the years went by, the civil rights movement and uh, until his uh, uh, tragic uh, assassination. uh he has something to teach us uh, in many directions uh, this very day. It does. Thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate it. Well, you take care, Patty. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Let's take a break here. We'll continue to take your calls at 773-763-9278. Uh, got the phone lines open and the text screen as well if you want to join us. Uh, join the conversation anytime. More after this on Driving at Home. Thanks to our sponsors, Monaco Brewing. Go to the Patty Vasquez Show page. You can see right there pinned at the top of the page the uh, information for all the locations in the Chicagoland area where you can pick up a progressive brew. Also want to thank our friends at Kids Above All. Go to kidsaboveall.org to find out how you can support children and help them reach their potential. And we want to thank our friend Warren Price from European and U.S. Car Service. Give Warren a call if you need anything for your car. Uh, if he if he can't get it done, uh, he can always direct you to the right people who can help you out. His number is 773-248-1200 or go to europeanus.com. More after this on Driving at Home on the Heartland Signal. You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at A&S Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. To you, 
use legal and nonviolent methods to gain full citizenship rights uh, for the Negro people of our country. Now, of course, uh, that particular struggle and that philosophy centered on breaking down all of the barriers of legal segregation. So I would say that in that period, uh, the basic thrust for the gaining of citizenship rights for Negroes uh, was to end uh, the humiliation surrounding the whole system of legal segregation. Dr. King, was there something peculiar <clears throat> to the place where you started and the kind of people you attracted? I mean by that, there was a strong attachment on the part of your parishioners in Montgomery to the church. They were older people, weren't they? Yes, I would say by and large they were older people who uh, participated in the boycott because they were the ones using the bus, bus more than anybody else. And uh, Montgomery was a community, predominantly church senate, uh, so that uh, it was very easy to get to the vast majority of Negroes because they were in some way connected with a church in the community. Sir, in addition to your commitment to the idea of nonviolence, wasn't it also the only thing you could do, the white community having the monopoly on violence, that if you had tried violence, they would have met it with violence? It was the only device open to you, wasn't it? Well, I'll put it another way, that uh, <clears throat> morally, I was led to nonviolence because I felt that it was the best moral way to deal with the problem. We were seeking to establish a just society. And uh, it was my feeling then and it is my feeling now that uh, violence is certainly much more uh, socially destructive and it creates many more social problems than it solves. So I was led to nonviolence for deep moral reasons. Now there is no doubt about the fact that in our struggle in Montgomery and all over the United States for that matter, nonviolence is also practically sound. Uh, it would just be impractical for the Negro to turn to violence. He has neither the instruments nor the techniques of violence. We are about 10 or 11 percent of the total population of the nation, and I would say we are about one tenths of one percent of the firepower, so it would just be totally impractical and unwise and unrealistic for the Negro to think of violence. Well, I saw this in the beginning in uh, Montgomery, but this wasn't the basic reason that I uh, turned to nonviolence and that I believed in it as a philosophy. I turned to it because I felt that it was the morally excellent way to deal with the problem of racial injustice in our country. Part of an interview that Martin Luther King Jr. gave uh, in 1967 at the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, he spoke to NBC News' Sander Vancour. So that was just a little bit of, of uh, explanation of his uh, uh, embracing nonviolence. And I, uh, I mean, we all knew we all knew today was coming with just the right wing nut jobs co-opting, picking and choosing elements of Martin Luther King's philosophy and his legacy. Uh, and I'm not even going to I'm, I'm just like you mean people who are fighting every day to silence the votes of people of color come on you I mean and it, it, do, I mean the 
my first uh, apprehension or understanding of the term woke was in the wake of the riots and the fighting and the backlash in Ferguson, Missouri, and saying, look, this is happening. Injustice is happening all over the country to, to men, to black men who are coming into contact with law enforcement. Be awake to the fact that this is happening. And somehow it has turned to if you are fighting for the rights of people of color, for people who are in poverty, for women, for people who are LGBTQ+, then you are somehow uh, the fringe, the extremes, the leftists, the communists. And we have women, we have the governor of uh, Arkansas now saying that they're going to be anti-woke. And that, to me, means being unjust, basically codifying injustice, silencing the voices of those who are fighting for the rights of people who are marginalized, often uh, who are the targets of violence and and injustice. And I just can't, using today and and tweeting here, seeing Boebert and and, uh, Trader Green and Shapiro, Ben Shapiro, all these people, like you know, there's... you know what? I'm not even going to read you the tweets because it's you know that they're ridiculous and asinine. Let's uh, let me get to the, let me just do a couple of these. And I'll get to you in a minute, Dave. Uh, here's uh, Katie. Hey, Katie, what's on your mind? Hello. 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 Hi, yeah. Katie. Yes. Hi. This is Patty. Uh, yeah. How are you? Uh, yeah. Thank you for your show. You know, and thank you for you know. I want to comment about your speech. And um, happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that speech is great, but the problem uh, is it's, it's us. Uh, sometimes I don't blame other race because we, we black people, we don't do our part. You know, I'm the darkest black man ever exists, but I can't claim my race in any way. And the problem with us as a majority, we allowed other people to define us. And there are fools. The speech was good, but when you don't do your part, people take advantage of you. You know, and that's what happened. And because I think, do you, so that first speech that I played from, uh, from Martin Luther King Jr., I mean, that's, he, uh, he hits on that in the beginning as far as the audience he was talking to, uh, young junior high students, uh, black kids in Philadelphia, and talks about, you know, don't let anyone else define you. I mean, I can't speak to what you're saying as far as I'm not I'm not black. I'm not in the black community. Uh, so I'm not going to say, uh, you know, I'm not going to reiterate what you're uh, that's communicating. True, that's yes, true. that's true. I, I know what you mean. But the problem, I grew up in all cultures. You know, I, I'm a African culture, Arab culture, European culture. The only people don't teach their kids confident are us. So when the child go out and get bullied, he cannot respond. The other ways they tell the kids. Hey, you are very important because of this, 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 this. We don't tell our kids, we black people, you are important because in a book, in a Quran, in, in, in the Bible, in Hebrew, all of them, the answer are there. But we black people, we don't even teach our kids about these answers. So when our child go out on the street and he get told black, he cannot answer. But if he go to Hebrew, Quran, Injil, or Bible, all answers The first color exists. They say darkness. When they say darkness, it was the first color exists before any light, before anything. You see, and that is our problem. That's why we owe it. We owe it completely. You know, I don't blame any other people when they tell me black because I, if I don't respond with a proof, then then that person is gonna say, yeah, he said the truth. 
But when I tell you, hey, I'm the origin of the creatures. My darkness was exist before any color, and then God said, let me delight them. Yeah. So the problem is us. I don't blame other people. You know, I don't blame other race. I don't, you know, because we don't respond. How about, would you say, <laughs> how about systemic issues uh, of prejudice and uh, marginalization? You know, because I do think that we need... Huh? You can't do nothing about somebody else. I'm not you saying know, anybody. I'm I'm talking about the the way in which some racism is enforced and as a layer on top of a community, arbitrarily and artificially. Yeah. I, that's that's one. Hello? Of the, hello, that's one of the reasons why so many people are fighting against teaching history, is they don't want kids to know that there has been historic racism and our system is built. That, that. That is true, but we have to. We black people, we are the ones supposed to teach our kids. You right. can't let you can let you can go expect somebody to teach you teach your child. The Arab they tell their kids. I speak Arab. I know. I grow with it. They, what they tell their kids in their houses is different. What they tell them outside. We don't do that with black people. We don't teach our kids to respond. So example, I had I had experience. One guy told me, "Oh, black." I said, "Hey, don't don't you." Don't you kiss a black stone? Say yes. I said, then I'm very important. You gotta respond. You gotta debate. Don't don't fight, but debate. It's right. not about being aggressive. But debate the person. When you debate the person with a mind, you know that you know what? This person has a bad thinking about him. But he's very smart. Like me. He can respond. He can debate. But when I get told black and walk away without debating, other person gonna believe. So that's the difference. So we play we play we play a role in this. I agree with Martin Luther King is cute. When he says you speak, you are beautiful, yes. But give me a proof. All right, I give you proof. I go to Genesis one, read it. In the beginning God created heaven and earth, heaven and earth was formless land and dark. And then the spirit of God was heaven above the water. And then in verse three, God said, Let me delight. Then my darkness first. I, I appreciate. I, I pre, I'm yeah. so grateful for your perspective. I'm losing you a little bit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the break. But I'm so yeah, glad sure. that you called in today, and I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you, Katie. Yeah, sure. Excellent. Sure, yeah, nice talking to you. Thank you so much. Let's take a break here. I will continue taking your phone calls. Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. That's our number to join the conversation. Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. Wake up to the freshest progressive conversation with Santita Jackson. You have to do some thinking, and I think that's the inflection point that we are in right now, just really figuring out exactly who we are. Santita Jackson, live and local from 6 to 8 a.m. on Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820. This is WCPT 820. Listen in Chicago on 820 a.m. or stream us live on WCPT820.com. The TuneIn Radio app or Tell Alexa or Google to play WCPT. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. Hey, you guys, I am giving away some t- 
tickets uh, this week for our mayoral forum coming up on January 26th. Uh, you know what? I'll give them away in the next segment. It'll be a, a trivia question. I already gave you the answer in the first half hour, but uh, we'll give away some of those tickets in just a little bit. Hey, George on the South Side, what's on your mind, my friend? Well, thank you for taking my call, Penny. Happy Martin Luther King Day to you Happy and Martin everyone Luther. there. Yes. Um, I think it's important that the whole story and the details of why Martin Luther King was in Memphis when he died, um, all of us should know the details. Um, as you know, he was there to support garbage workers in a, in a strike to organize. Right. But what's not as well known is the fact that black men who wanted to work as helpers on the garbage trucks had to show up every day to ask for work. They were never put on the rolls as permanent employees. They were, in that most misused term, casual employees. They had no benefits, no guarantees of any kind. And when they showed up at the garage or the yard or wherever, they had to stand outside in the hot sun and wait to be picked to go out on one of the trucks. Or if it was raining, they had to seek shelter where they could, which often was only inside the garbage trucks themselves, where they would stand just inside the threshold at the back. And we all know what garbage trucks smell like, and there's always remainders of garbage in them. Well, the event that one of the events that propelled Dr. King to go when he did was that on a rainy day, a black man was standing inside the garbage truck and a lightning bolt hit the truck and activated the electric mechanism that closed the back of the truck and he was crushed and oh. killed. Now, this was 1968 or possibly 67. This wasn't the 1800s. It wasn't pre-Civil War. But it was still Jim Crow America in Memphis, and a number of the men who showed up every day looking for work were American military veterans. And this is how they were being treated. Mm. And that's why Dr. King felt he had to go. These are, I mean, uh, let's be honest, in the white community, uh, I've heard plenty of this in my lifetime, things people say about black folks, all they want to do is drink and do drugs and gangbang and make babies and suck up welfare. Well, who works harder than a helper on a garbage truck? I mean, that is dirty, dangerous work. You know, you, you risk your back every day you go out. And I, I have from time to time relayed this story in discussions where I'm with white guys like me who are blue collar and union and somebody will bring up King and why was he there in Memphis making trouble and yada, yada. And I'd relate the story that, you know, he was a profound and strong supporter of union rights, workers' rights, collective bargaining, the right to a contract. And he was there to help workers organize a union. Right. And you'd be amazed how, how that shuts people up and makes them very thoughtful. I mean, I've seen it happen with a number of guys I know. They just sit there with a a stone face, and you know what they're thinking, that it's like, wow, I never knew that. I never realized that. I'm a union guy, and he was fighting for un- guys who wanted to unionize. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's important that people know this about Dr. King. 
Well, and that's that's what's so uh, unsettling about the movement to squelch that kind of conversation in schools, right? I mean, we don't really learn about unions in schools either, in grade school or high school, or the role that unions have played in making sure that workers have rights. I mean, like, I don't think I learned that much about, uh, you know, the fact that children were working, you know, 10, 12 hours locked in factories. I don't think I learned that until I went to college, you know, because I have a degree in history. Like, that's that's when I learned about those things, you know? And, yeah, and often we don't learn about the depredations that were visited upon workers who tried to unionize you know, the private armies of, of thugs and Pinkerton agents and people who were actually armed with machine guns and because... The business owners were in right. good with the governor. They could get the National Guard deployed to shoot down union workers like they did in Colorado. Right. And, I mean, it's Martin Luther King understood, I think, better than most American leaders of the time or now, that union rights are civil rights and civil rights are union rights. Exactly. And, and he fought just as hard for both. At the same time, here's what he said in 1968 on March 18th, when he was in Memphis, whenever you are engaged in work that serves humanity and is building is for the building of humanity, it has dignity and it has worth. And that's for all workers. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I think that we should be learning both. I mean, you know, if they're look, if they're coming for what they call CRT, they're certainly coming for you for labor history as well. I mean, because it's all intertwined. It's it's protecting property. It's and it's pitting people against each other. You know whether it's the poor, the the rich. You know the rich wanting to control the the environment of workers. I mean it all it all it isn't equal, but it, it is intertwined. And what and whether some people want to uh, agree with this or not from behind the uh, the walls of their gated communities. We all live on the same planet. We breathe the same air. We drink the same water, and our food is grown in the same ground. Astronauts and cosmonauts have all said the same thing. When you're out in space and you look back at the Earth, you realize it's a closed system. It's just like a big spaceship. And if we don't all take care of each other and the planet, which was part of Dr. King's thinking, then we're not going to make it. Right. We're not going to exactly. We're not going to. We're not going to make it, and that's what that's what it comes down to is helping people make it, right? Not just survive, but thrive, and you know, othering people, whether it's based on color or class or gender or we, you know, who you love, uh, we're not going to make it if we continue to choose uh, those are, who are not worthy of dignity and respect. Well, some people just aren't happy unless they're beating on somebody else one way or another. Exactly. I'm so grateful for your call, George. I appreciate it. What uh, what union are you in? Oh, I'm a teamster. Teamster. Well, thank you so much for for keeping the the fight going and uh and uh, I'm here for whatever whenever you want to have a conversation. I'm so glad you called today. Well, that's very kind, Patty. Uh, I regard that as high praise coming from such an extraordinary woman. Oh, please. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. I I, uh, I I just love talking to people, and uh, and I I am grateful for people who uh, want to have you know talk about what what has happened, what we can do, and what we are capable of. 
And what you're capable of is a second hour, and I congratulate you on that. Thank you. Twice as much patty, and that is twice as good. And by by the way, really proud to finally be working at a a radio station that's a union shop. I'll be honest with you there, too, because the last last place was not. And and I'm I'm glad to hear that proclaimed from time to time on WCPT's air. That's something to be proud of. Absolutely. I'm super proud of that. Yep. Finally. (laughs) Thanks, George. (laughs) Okay, you're welcome, Patty. Bye-bye. Have, have a great one. Thanks. Let me take a quick break here. I'll get the gym. And Dave, when we come back on WCPT 820, we're driving it home in just a little bit. We'll have uh, Scott Santos on. In the next segment, I am giving away a pair of tickets, but I'll let you know how to win. Uh, but we, we've given away the answer twice now. Should I just do it now? 773-763. I feel bad for Dave and Jim if they want to go to the mail form. I guess they have to call later in the week. Uh, the question is, we've just answered the question twice. Why was Martin Luther King Jr. in Memphis that fateful day when he was assassinated. What brought him to Memphis? Uh, it, it really does uh, bring everything. Uh, what, the direction he was moving in, what he was fighting for, uh, really was, uh, it's, as, uh, as George has said, he, you know, people say, why was he going in there causing trouble? He was fighting for people's rights, for workers' rights. Oops, sorry. <laughs> well, you'll get it. 773-763-9278 for your chance to win a pair of tickets to come to the mayoral candidate forum on January 26th. That's going to be, uh, you know, I have to get more information on where it is. I know it's at the, I have a general idea. I don't want to be wrong. More after this on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. You can text Patty at the same number you use to call us. 773-763-9278. Thanks to our texting sponsor, Camp Kupugani. Register today at multiculturalcamp.com. 773-763-9278. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now. At 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Now on WCPT 820. We're going to take a couple more calls uh, before 6 o'clock. And then Scott Santos joins us. And, of course, you can continue calling us when Scott's out joining us. He's a political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. Before we go on to that, I want to give away a pair of tickets to our mayoral forum coming up on January 26th. Adriana. Is it Adriana or Adriana? I, pr- I apologize. How do I say it? Hey. It's Adriana, yeah. Hey, Adriana, how you doing? What's the answer? Why was Dr. Martin Luther King in Memphis that day? He was fighting for workers' rights. He was there for the strike, absolutely. We're so excited to have you join us for the uh, mayoral forum. Again, it's on January 26th. If you can hold on, uh, I'm going to read this out to you. You've won a pair of tickets to WCPT's Chicago Mayoral Candidate Forum. Thursday, January 26th. Doors open at 10.30. Lunch is served at 11 a.m. The forum will be at 12.15. I have to bring your ID for entry. And the auditorium is at 22 West Washington in Chicago. So we will, uh, can you stand by? And and, uh, Lady B, do you need this clipboard? by any chance for the no you, you got the, all the info she, she'll take your info down and i look forward to meeting you on the 26th adriana great yeah i do too thank you outstanding stand by thank you thank you and i know dave has been on hold for quite a bit dave i wanted to get to the mlk uh calls because i was playing the audio so i thought thank you for holding in there what's on your mind yeah, no yes yeah well on that santos you could take the back seat i got you might find this interesting talking about mlk this book I've been reading, The Year the Dream Died, this way. and it said, I'll quote, read it after you. This. So then Atlanta, Martin Luther King in a regular Sunday sermon at his parish, the Ebenezer Baptist Church, told the congregation, if any of you are around when I have met my, meet my day, I don't want a long funeral, 
And if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, tell him not to talk too long. <laughs> and <laughs> tell him not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That isn't important. I'd like somebody to mention that the day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to give his life serving others, I'd like for somebody to say that the day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody, I want you to be able to say the day that I did try to feed the hungry, and I did try in my life to clothe the naked, that I did try in my life to visit those who were in prison, that I tried to love and serve humanity. Yes, if you want to say that I was a drum major, say that I was a drum major for peace, for righteousness. It would, it would be his last sermon to his home parishioners. Mm. And that was this book I've been reading about 1968. And it goes like for months. This was in February, now, mind you, 1968. And you have to imagine, I mean, it was so heavy on his mind, the threats that were uh, coming into, you know, whether it was by letters or calls or people yelling at him, uh, whether it was the FBI you know, or whoever his security was telling him that there were death threats. Because I know that there was several weeks before he was assassinated. He said, I, I don't want to be a martyr for my for this cause. I, you know, that this it shouldn't have to come to that. Um, all the while knowing that it was entirely possible, and of course, uh, tragically so. Yeah. And by by reading this, apparently he had a premonition already that you know he was. And then uh, even like that, what that uh, have a dream speech? I believe he mentioned something like that that I won't be there with you. But uh, I think it's a, is it the mountaintop? I, we, yeah, I don't want. I, I I'm not a, I'm not yeah. a scholar on all of his speeches, no. but uh, I'm a, an admirer and a fan. Yeah, I just thought on this day you and some of the others would enjoy. Well, you know, find that. Bit yep. of history there, right? And um, yeah, on Santos, real quick. I mean, uh, this guy—you <laughs> could, you could call him the talented Mister Ripley. You know, Just, it's crazy what's coming out about this now. Like funding from a from a Russian oligarch. Have you seen this? I mean, like it's endless. Yeah, I read some about that. That's because he can't explain where that seven hundred thousand dollars came from, and it's a that uh, for a guy that was twice evicted for not paying his rent. And then it turns out, to, like you say, a Russian oligarch, and and so he's probably like a Manchurian candidate, maybe you know. So, Ugh. and uh, but uh, yeah, and then he what uh, they caught him on social media posting and revealing uh, some name that some George Devolder and and then Anthony Devolder, he said. Yep. So anyway, it was at, at, at an yeah, LGBTQ plus. Uh, event, too, where he was talking about how the narrative of liberals, you know, really shouldn't define, uh, you know, trans individuals and, and, you know, this right wing group of uh, gay men and women and trans people saying that, uh, you know, that they're they live through their authenticity. And it was so funny because I was actually one of the speakers talking about authenticity. And then, of course, now we know that there is not a single thing that is authentic about George Santos. He just breathes air like us. I guess that's about the authentic. But, uh, you know, the Democrats, you know, I guess they've been calling for his expulsion. But uh, you need, what, two-thirds of the of um, of the Congress to, to agree with you to get on your side to expel him from Congress. So. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway. All right. Yeah. Anywho. I mean, let me get off. I've just got at least another one or two. So Appreciate it. I don't Thank- want to ramble. No worries. Thanks. Right. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate that. Take care. Let's go to Jim. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind, my friend? Hi, Gary. You sound like a million bucks. I'm getting better. Say, <laughs> yeah, you sound really good. You sound really good. Uh, real quick, the 60s were very traumatic. I mean, the assassinations were were incredible. But 
sociologists and professors say that was the most democratic decade in the history of the United States. You had the African-American, the indigenous people, uh, Mexican-Americans, and so on, coming to the forefront. The unions were strong. And I think the 20s, this going to this century, could be also the same. But I wanted to say that I couldn't believe today, I listened to the radio, as usual, my addiction. And DeSantis, believe it or not, wants a individual, if, if she gets to the drugstore, gets the morning after pill, to go to a doctor and watch her take the first pill, and he'll determine. Now, this is you talk. First of all, the linchpin of the of role was privacy. That was the linchpin of that decision. And these Republicans want to strip privacy. I thought they wanted no government at all. Isn't that isn't that where they're after? They, they want nobody. Uh, no yeah. government interference? No, this is, this is the madness of it. This is the, the religious zealots who want to impose their morality on other people yeah, when it has nothing I, to do with them. I know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but tell you, listen to me. Now, listen to this. I couldn't eat meat on Friday until I was about 15, right? So I never eat meat on Friday. I'd come home and, and I'd be a little dragged about it. You know, my grandmother would have tuna fish. Or my mother would have, you know, whatever it was, salmon or whatever it was. Now, I had friends in the neighborhood who were eating hamburgers. Now, I didn't smash them over the head because they were eating hamburgers. You, you follow my reasoning here? In other words, if a person wants to take a morning after pill or use a uh, birth control device, right. that, it has nothing to do with my morality. It has nothing to do with my morality. Just like eating meat on Friday wasn't. Uh, I wasn't beating the kids up and never eating meat on Friday. You follow my reasoning? Yeah. Daddy? No, you don't impose that on somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, people who don't believe that you should eat meat, I mean, while they're, they, you know, well, might get very it, vocal but, about but, it. Right? But, but, but because, you no, know, if you want to be that strict in your religion, then that's up to you. That's not a, right. But you can't impose that on another individual. But, to, but, to, but destroying the privacy of an individual. I don't care who it is. It is beyond the pale. That's just beyond the pale. Can you imagine a poor person goes and gets a prescription, and now you've got to go to a doctor and embarrass yourself in front of the doctor and, and go through the maturations of that? We could just take the two pills. That pill is safer than Tylenol. It's 99% effective and safer than Tylenol. So, I mean, I don't get it. Do you get it? I, I don't get it. No, I, of course I don't get it. It is entirely to control people. That's that is all there is to it. Yes, I know that. I know. I know. I know. But anyway, this, yes, this, but I think these these twenty this this decade every fifty years maybe maybe we'll get another infusion of democracy because we can certainly use it. Anyway, Patty, thanks for listening to my answer. All good. Take take, thank, thank you so much. And uh, and to that, I just Googled, because I never really thought much about where Martin Luther King Jr. would stand on this battle we're having when it comes to reproductive rights. And uh, there there's different scholars that, uh, that take, you know, people are going to, I think, pick and choose. Uh, but to him, uh, according to a recent scholarship, uh, the uh, there's a book called Policing the Womb, and they write, To him, unwanted, unplanned pregnancies were a cruel evil that urgently needed control. And uh, 
and he there's you know look there's a lot of study that can go into this but uh, oh no worries about that lady B um, we, we're getting the, the the picture up in just a moment for uh, our Facebook live stream we're going to take a break here and we'll come back we'll check in with our good friend Scott Stantis and if you watch on the live stream you'll see me with my camera up because Scott and I also live zoom it so it's all kind of, it's like it's very meta it's we're we're on Facebook live stream and then me and Scott are, are zooming to each other and then he's here through the clean feed it's all good stuff seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight to join the conversation anytime. And I will continue when we come back after the news break. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Excited to welcome our very good friend of the show, Scott Santos, political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune and the Dallas Morning News. You can also go to gocomics.com to find all the great work that he does. I was asking off the air uh, how the uh, Martin Luther King Jr. celebrations were in Alabama, and Scott has uh, apparently something interesting to share with us <laughs> in that regards. Hey. First of all, how are you doing, Scott? I'm doing great. I'm recovering. I just uh, getting over COVID, so it wasn't nearly as bad as um, when I had it in 2020. And it tried to kill me, so this time it just made me feel lousy. So, how, how many? How many people in your? Sorry, I'm sorry that you had uh, COVID for the second time. How many people in your in your world uh, came tested positive? Uh, my son and his wife, mm. some friends across the street. I mean, the friends across the street, we were like, this is what happens when you try to go do good things, Patty. They were, um, she just got a job with the uh, uh, endowment for the humanities. And uh, so, and so she's going to DC. They wanted to take a train. We said, we'll drive you to the train station. Oh. Said, we're flying back. We'll pick you up at the airport. Oh. They came back at the airport. We went out to lunch. We went out for a cup of coffee. It was a very leisurely, lovely afternoon. Mm-hmm. And we get home, and that night they say, we, we both tested positive for COVID. Oh. Crap. <laughs> so, and yeah, so three days later, bum, 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 bum. but Janine didn't catch it, which is amazing because, you know. She does Thankfully. live near me. Yeah. Yes, she does. Yeah. And I'm guessing there aren't any, nobody at all. I mean, even in Chicago, people are, are rarely masking anymore. And I, I'm, you know, we mask yeah. here. We are a masking station. And uh, I'm going to go, I mean, because it's on the rise. So I, I will be, try, I'm going to be more diligent about it too. Well, not just that, but you have a flu. Um, I just cold. got over yeah. the flu mm-hmm. before I got the COVID. And, well, you had a fever, so that would be flu. Flu? Okay, fine. I think, yeah. I don't know. I had the chills. <laughs> I had the chills and the sweats. I don't know that. I never took my temperature. We have a thing in our house where we, we let Steve decide whether or not we have a, a fever, my husband Steve. It's a really weird thing. And me and Griffin think it's the stupidest thing because Steve would be like, yeah, you're not that warm. You don't make my hand hot. It's, it's Griffin and I laugh about this. You have to be like, you have to be molten lava for Steve to consider you worthy of where, where's the, because Steve knows where all the thermometers are. This is, I can't. I can't believe I'm, I'm revealing this to the world. Steve is the guardian of the thermometers. And so we're like, I think I have a fever. He's like, let me check. And so he puts his hand on our forehead or our cheek. He's like, yeah, you're fine. So I don't know that I have. I'm not kidding. I was but if you had chills and sweats, then that's a fever. I don't I mean, that's I was, I was my a body aches, all those things. You don't get that with a yeah, cold? Yeah, that, that would be, no, that's a flu. Okay. I don't really know. Okay. I'm, I'm not sure. A lot of mucus. Steve, All I know, Steve's buckets. Steve's a human thermometer. Yeah, Steve's a human thermometer. Buckets of mucus. I'm sure everyone wanted to know about that. Just oh massive amounts. Yeah, it was really, yeah. I can't. Like, you said you tested for COVID, so you I don't tested, have that, but... I don't, do not have COVID, no. Okay. Yep. Thank goodness. Thank but goodness. I'm sorry to hear that you, and, but I'm glad, and I'm also glad that it was not as bad. Do you think that that's in part because, one, you've had it before and because you've been vaccinated? 
I've been twice vaccinated, twice boosted. Excellent. Uh, same, I have same. A terrible re- have a terrible reaction every time I get one of the shots. I mean, I really do have to take three days off because I'm just sick. I finally, I, w- I finally did not have a bad reaction to my second bo- oh. booster. I know. I was surprised too. The other times, that's, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's okay. Well, that's all right. But do you binge booster. watch something when you when you get your vaccine? This is what I do. I, I get very excited because I'm like, all right, I'm just going to binge watch something that I really love. Well, until it really gets bad. I mean, it's so bad yeah. that you just you just don't you just hurt and you just yeah. cry, you know lie there in the fetal position and. Make it end. Make it end. <laughs> Make the bad thing end. And Janine yeah. doesn't say you're, exactly. you're you suck it up. She doesn't do that to you. <laughs> oh, she does. Well, no, she oh, does. No. Absolutely. I, we've had this discussion before. There are cat people and dog people when it comes to being sick. Mm-hmm. And cat people are, they're going to go in the back of the closet. If they come out alive in three days, then cool. If not, then, you know, so bury the body in the backyard. That's Janine. I'm a dog person when I get sick. I was. I want to be taken care of. I want soup and Seven Up and you know, oh, poor baby. I was thinking like, about you that like, less. You, you like to be baby. I like to be babied. I do, but uh, but being a mom makes it harder. But I I was I had this memory of uh, when I was not feeling well last week. You know, when you're kind of like in that. Yes, I probably did have the flu. And now I think about my feverish dreams. But <laughs> I had I flashed to when I was at Northwestern because uh, both my parents, like my because I lived in Evanston. I just remember getting really sick and my dad bringing me a jug of orange juice and Chips Ahoy cookies. Like that was his thing to help me feel. Cause that was the thing that uh, he. He and I liked when I was a kid. Yeah, orange. If I don't know That's why, it's like a little piece of heaven here on earth. It was, uh, yeah, it was. It was really sweet. And he just sat in my room and was like, "Let me know if you need me to do anything for you." You know that kind of stuff. My, both my parents. Yeah, my mom. My mom would always uh, rub the vaporub, vaporub oh, all over my body. I, yeah, yes, yes. yes. So, which I was doing. Too. I, I put that on Declan's feet last week. Anyway, yes. And my, my yeah, my mom would get uh, the the Vicks vapor rub, and we'd also have Bubble Up, which was the cut rate Seven Up. Oh, I forgot about Bubble Up. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ginger ale. I had a lot of ginger ale last week. That was always a big thing in my house. I can't drink 7-Up to this day because I just... Remember, it reminds me of being know, sick. Yeah, throwing it up back up. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah so, that'll do it. That'll leave a taste. Yeah. Taste in your, in your, on your soul. So, hey, so you asked me about uh, Alabama Day here yes. in Alabama. Uh, we do celebrate Martin Luther King Day, but here's the part. People, if you're driving, you may want to pull over. I'm not kidding. Or just be aware that, that, that Scott's going to shock you. Or maybe not because it's Alabama. No, yeah, you, yeah, you may not be shocked at all, but it's still it's still shocking to me. They have signs up at stores mm-hmm. uh, to say we will be closed. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this? I think I know where you're we going. We will be closed for Martin Luther King Day slash Robert E. Lee's birthday. Yeah, I'm I, I, not kidding. Yeah, I don't know when that 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 seems like it started during the Trump administration when they started elevating Robert E. Lee. I mean, I know that Robert E. Lee is a hero in the South, but had you ever seen that before in Alabama where they Oh yeah, no, when I I moved to Texas when I was uh in 6th grade. And they did not have uh, a Veterans Day as we as you and I celebrated. <laughs> they do not have um they did have um Robert E. Lee's birthday. And we wow. had we went and saw a parade of the guys dressed up in gray and uh, the, the 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 lost cause and all that horse crap and um, yeah 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 so the, down here I think they had MLK Day long before I mean uh, Robert E Lee's birthday long before they celebrated um, um, Martin Luther King Day obviously um, so 
I often they just didn't. They just felt that like he shouldn't be moved. I don't know. You know the the way in which Reconstruction was managed, and you know, obviously, we go round and round and wonder what it would have been like if uh, Abraham Lincoln had not been assassinated. And he he made uh, you know some uh, you know gestures as, as far as like what it was going to be like post war. Uh, but the fact is that the South was never it, there was maybe, maybe I'm wrong, and I and I had to do I, I didn't do that much post Civil War Reconstruction era studying uh, as far as you know basically you guys screwed up <laughs> you, you did a bad thing you completely you know uh, uh, sold people yeah. as chattel you killed a lot of people separated families uh, you know were treasonous and it, so this elevation and glorifying the confederacy and I remember I had a guest on my show a good friend of mine uh, who I would have on the show who you know w- was a great guy but at the same time was like our confederate flag you know we're very proud of having it and and we you know often would get uh, upset when people would talk about not you know you shouldn't wave the confederate flag we haven't spoken since before january 6th so i don't know how he felt about it being in the capitol as a symbol of like the insurrectionists you know yeah well yeah. they were insurrectionists then they're insurrectionists yeah. now but you, yeah. got, you got to admire their consistency exactly uh it's weird down here you know it's heritage not hate they show the um I'm going to try not to curse, so please okay. be close to your the kill button. Okay, hold on. I got it, just, it. It it really ticks me off because it makes me very angry because that's just it, 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 it's garbage. It's 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 a nonsense argument. Um, of all people, George Will had one of the best responses to that. His wife is from the South, and they were arguing about the Civil War and uh, and all that. And he asked, he posed a great question. It really does stop these people in their tracks. And it's this. Uh, it wasn't about slavery. It was about uh, tariffs, which, of course, no one gives their lives yeah. running into a hail of bullets Mm-mm. going, no more tariffs. Yeah. yeah. That just doesn't happen. But he asked his wife, and this is a great question. Like I said, if you ever have this discussion with someone about this, say, would there have been a civil war if there were no slavery? Right. Yeah. Tell me. I mean uh, – there's no the there's only one answer to that. There's only one, and here you talk about Reconstruction and how the how the United States responded after the war, which was heinous, and um, the South acted abominably and yeah. lynchings and um, and murder and just subjugation. Um, Brazil uh, had many more slaves in the United States, a lot more, but then when Brazil um, you know outlawed slavery. That's all they did. Right. They just outlawed it. They did not allow for Jim Crow laws. They didn't have separate but equal. They didn't do any of that garbage. They actually just said, okay, you know, everyone's everyone's part of the culture now. It's not to say there's not racism in Brazil. There is. Uh, they're dealing with it now on a political level. But uh, it's not nothing compared to, you know, what we've, what we've created here in the United States. Yeah, and the idea that that you would equate Martin Luther King Day with celebrating Robert E. Lee Day is just so. It, 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 and again, it goes to the idea of wanting to not teach history, uh, not wanting to teach about racism and segregation and s- slavery because you know, we're teaching white kids to hate themselves. But we're going to elevate Robert E. Lee. That's going to be that's that's the tr- that's yeah. that that seems okay. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing, and I. Uh, where, where did that just happen? Where they? Where they uh, I mean, mm-hmm. they just they just introduced legislation, and I can't remember where, but it was. It, it spoke to exactly what you just said, which was you can't teach something that if, that really upsets people. Yeah. Like, really. Hmm. 
<laughs> history is full. You and I are both history nuts. Yep. Um, Truth. And history is full of hurt feelings. <laughs> you know, it just is. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit of a, little bit of that for everybody. Yeah, I mean, like, who takes history personally? Who goes, oh, I wish my people had. I mean, why? T-? It's it's a study of history. You know. It, yeah, because well, you have you, to ask yourself. Yeah. And it begs the question, if you were a Southerner in 1855, how would you have dealt with this issue? Would right. you have owned slaves? The right. answer is, if you say no, then you're kidding yourself because, yeah, you probably would have if you're, if you're white. Um, um, and that's <sighs> – and, and the other that thing is, there was also other horrible questions. But okay, go ahead. I'm no, sorry. I'm just saying there's also this mythology of Robert E. Lee that he was. Uh, you know, there was also this idea that he was he, he was a soldier. He had to make this choice between uh, you know the United States and his home of Virginia and all these things. But he was also a brutal slave owner. Like he yeah. he, he was because there's this mythology of him being this gentleman and being a kind slave owner, and he was not. Well, He's and brutal. you can be a gentleman. It's great to be a gentleman. It's awesome to be a gentleman back then when you had you know hundreds of people doing all the dirty work. I mean, it, that must have been awesome. But the other the other thing you just said, which really again, trying to rein it back a little bit, but um, you know, to say that you know he didn't have a choice. He his his right. home his his home state was being invaded. No, you know what, Patty? He took an oath. As at the service academy, he went to West Point and he took an oath to defend the Constitution and the United States of America, and he turned his back on that. Gentleman doesn't do that. You know what we call that where I come from? A liar. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I as don't a, know what else to say. And as, mean, a, as a slave owner, not only would he have slaves whipped, he would pour brine in the wounds in order to burn them. Oh, boy. So the fact that they are putting the names next to each other of Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert E. Lee, and, and it's just like out of flyers, on doors. Hey, by the way, these two guys, yeah, we're, we're celebrating them. Are you kidding me? Just, yeah. Yeah, it would be like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, we don't have to. That, you know, hey, we're celebrating Ben Gurn and Adolf Hitler. It's very strange. Very, very strange. Yeah. It's, uh, we're talking to Scott Santis. He's the political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune and the Dallas Morning News. See what somebody posted? Did you, I don't know if you saw on my, uh, I don't know. Sometimes people will, will just post things on my Patty Vasquez show page and someone put, uh, Tribune is a scab newspaper. And I'm just like, what? just out of the, I'm like, isn't it, it's a union shop now, isn't it? Yeah. 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 In fact, I was one of the first people to join that union. Yeah. Um, I was the first one to fill out the the card. Uh, Yeah, people just want to throw things out there, don't they? Yeah, it's sort of that whole truth thing that there's, you know. um, Or maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's a story we don't know about, but if it's not recent. Yeah, maybe. But go ahead. What were you going to say? Can someone call us and let us know if if we're just wrong on this? If we're uninformed on this? Misinformed? I have not heard anything that. Somehow they've broken this. But uh, there's an article today on go to um, uh, Drudge. And this, uh, the, the, I don't know what their qualifications are, but they are you know, digital people. And they say that by 2035, um, 90% or more, I mean, I'm sorry, 2025, 
31 percent. Oh, my God. It's, I was told there'd be no math. By 2025, 91% of all copy on the internet will be generated by AI. Oh, I've heard about this whole AI thing is getting crazy. There's all these services, too, where you can just like basically put topics in and just have it automatically generated for you. And yeah. you basically just proofread it to see if, oh, my, I, I uh, it, it gives me, it, it, yeah, it gives me uh, chest pain to think about it. Have you seen the art? I mean, you can say uh, illustrators are going to be gone in the next no. five years because I can say uh, draw uh, Patty Vasquez in the style of Scott Stanis. You oh, can no. do that right now. No. Oh, yes. And you will have a drawing of Patty. It, it, it will search for pictures of Patty Vasquez online and will find Scott Stannis' drawing style and will you know, crank it out. There it is. Wow. Uh, that's astounding to me. And also, does anyone know? So the, the sign that you saw in the store for the Martin Luther King and Robert E. Lee birthday observance, is. do we know if that's recent? Because do you know what day Robert E. Lee was born? And not that something I've got on my calendar. It's not something I'm going to enshrine. It's not today. When is it? The 19th. Thank you. Well, Thank you, you know, to Beth in Michigan. But it's, but it's a Monday. What? Week, but it's a Monday we can take off. So they just so they so they're they're just they're they just put it on the same day as the day they observe it on the is this we do it on the what the the second what Monday it's because this isn't also I know I'm I, I was told there was no math involved <laughs> <laughs> or, or calendar days. Oh my God, two people. <laughs> I'm on too much cough medication. Let me take a break here and uh, let me go look up things. Let me go look at a calendar. Who's the next will do that. Yeah, we we're back. So is it? But it's got to be Robert E. Lee observance, then, and they just put it on that date on purpose to really be. Oh, it's so gross. More to this on WCPT eight twenty. We're hanging out with Scott Santos. This is WCPT eight twenty, where facts matter. Frank said from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell choice hard seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of choice hard seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern in Rogers Park and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. And we are hanging out with Scott Santis, the political cart- political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune, uh, digging a little bit into, uh, just not really digging, I would just say, just sort of scraping off the dirt of uh, Robert E. Lee's birthday being observed off of our shoes. on the same day as... Uh, as Martin Luther King's birthday. Apparently, this has been in some places since 1986 when they combined the two. So, yes, we always observe Martin Luther King's birthday on uh, the third Monday of the month. His birthday was uh, January 15th. And uh, and Robert E. Lee's birthday was the 19th. So they figure, well, let's just do two for one. What? 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 What could be? Why? What? What? What's what? your problem with what? this? What? <laughs> Snowflake. <laughs> yeah, that's very. Yeah, right. Tr- w- watch us trigger them in thirty years. 
<laughs> Yikes. Anyway. Yeah, it's so here you are, yeah. So down here in Alabama, we are celebrating Martin Luther King and Robert E. Lee. Oh, yeah, it's very strange. Hey, you know what we haven't spoken about, and you have a, because um, this happened, I think either the day after I spoke to you was the emails from uh, Mayor Lightfoot to uh, CPS about, did, now, do you know, <laughs> you know what's strange about the story is that she did it in August to the city of Chicago, the city of uh, Chicago colleges, and it wasn't a story in August. This this wasn't something. She, it wasn't the first time they had done it, so I'm just wondering why nobody alerted people to like, oh hey, we may, or, or it just wasn't a big enough like somebody should have said this is not appropriate, so it doesn't happen now. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, that, they should yeah. have been called on that before. Yeah. Whoever it was, well, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know why or how that got missed. Um, you know, it may have something to do with the fact that newspapers, including the Chicago Tribune, are so understaffed that they, you know, missed big. Big stories like that, um, but yeah, they, they all—they finally caught up with her when she sent it out. She doubled down and sent it out to uh, CPS students, or right. teachers, and saying, "Hey, hey, we can give you uh, extra credit if you work for the Lori Lightfoot." Now, now the, the only reason I, I I understand that it's an enthusiastic staffer that just didn't know any better. When I ran for state rep, one of the things that caught my attention that uh, somebody that was not from Chicago, there was a couple of things. We had this guy come in and work on my campaign. He was from Montana because my campaign manager had been working in Chicago. So she kind of knew the ropes in Chicago, but she brought in a friend from Montana. And the first day I knew that we had made a mistake was I called him one day. He was driving from Montana, but I asked him for turf, which is like the territory where I'm going to go door knocking. And I go, can you give me something close to Milwaukee and Foster? And he said... (laughs) He said, isn't Chicago like an... Isn't Chicago like an hour and a half from Milwaukee? (laughs) So that was my first... Before I even met this kid, I was like, oh, no. So what he would do is... uh, Like, we had Facebook posts about campaign (laughs) stuff. He would, like, if somebody liked a photo, he would, like, slide into their DMs and he would be like, hey, I see that you like this photo of Patty. Want to come volunteer for it? Like, it was, like, people were getting creeped out by, like, the, so some people are enthusiastic and are a little bit aggressive. And this was, uh, I don't know whether or not she knew that they were doing this. It is inappropriate. Uh, but I just know that people do some really uh, inappropriate and silly things uh, along the way. Well, the fact that you, as you mentioned, she did it before in August. And nobody called and did. it wasn't a story right yeah. so why would they think it was a problem or whoever did it right you know now you're you're more immersed in this than i am you okay. tell me has this i mean this is not common is it i mean has any other politician to your knowledge it certainly didn't come out in the stories that done this well, you know what's interesting is that somebody encouraged me they're like hey find some youth groups and you know tell them this is an opportunity they didn't say for class credit but just you know try to find some youth groups to get them involved in yeah. politics and how to go door knocking like i could see that angle of it but saying that this would you know in order to reelect the mayor you can get class credit now you know let's take a break here cuz i'm fascinated by the new uh, did you see the endorsements today Delia Congresswoman oh. Delia Ramirez. Okay, let's talk about this when we come back. Okay, I'll you, okay. I'll tell you who's endorsing. And I was just like, what? So this is... I'm on like, pins and needles. Because my, my son was like, well, you know, it's not a quid pro quo. And I'm like, but it is tit for tat. Is that the same thing? I don't know. Let's talk about it when we come back. 773-763-9278. We're hanging out with Scott Stantis, the political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. You can see all of his work at gocomics.com. And uh, he also works with the Dallas Morning News. So many things. Oh, I've got to call that guy from the uh, podcast thing because I was sick oh, all week. Oh, you haven't done that yet, Patty. We, no, we connected. We talked, but I haven't. Uh, but he wanted to know what I thought, and I was sick all week. So 
It was, I mean, okay. really bad. Okay. I don't care what, uh, yeah. I don't know, I don't care what Steve says. I had a fever. More after this. <laughs> <laughs> Tired of all those talking heads down the dial who think they're always right? People need to just calm down. It's gotten ridiculous. Welcome to WCPT 820, where facts matter. Quite frankly, I get most of my news from you. This is WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. You're listening to WCPT 820. Here's the latest Chicago weather update. Here's the latest Chicago weather update. Chance for scattered showers tonight, otherwise overcast skies. Lows level off around 41. Winds out of the southwest 10 to 15 miles an hour. Cloudy skies expected again. Tomorrow, highs around 42. Lows level off around 33. Tomorrow night, cloudy skies expected. Temperatures well above average Wednesday and Thursday with highs in the low 40s. Scattered showers possible both days. From the Weatherology Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Megan Mulford. Right now, it's 46. The ballot is set for Chicagoans to determine who will be the mayor of the city of Chicago. Have you made up your mind? WCPT wants to help you decide. Join us Thursday, January 26th at noon as Joan Esposito, Santita Jackson, and Patty Vasquez moderate the WCPT Chicago Mayoral Candidates Forum. All the top candidates have confirmed that they will participate. Do you have a question that you wish someone would ask the candidates? Go to WCPT820.com or send an email to question at wcpta20.com to submit your question. During the forum, you'll hear from the candidates about the direction they want to lead the city for the next four years right here. Stay tuned for a chance to win tickets. The WCPT Chicago Mayoral Forum is sponsored by Morningstar Inc., Roofers Local 11, and Oscar Isberry and Rugs. The WCPT Chicago Mayoral Candidates Forum, exclusively on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. COVID-19 has forced nearly one in five U.S. households to delay medical care for serious illnesses. Screening for cancer and other diseases is also way down. But don't worry, it's not too late to get back on track with your health care. The Illinois State Medical Society is reminding the public that there is no substitute for a visit with your doctor. Medical offices have stepped up their precautions. They're safe and ready to give you the screenings, vaccines, and even telehealth visits that can keep you healthy. It all starts with a call to your doctor. You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. We are hanging out with political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune, Scott Stantis. He also does work for the Dallas Morning News as well. You can find everything at gocomics.com and you can also follow his comic strip, Prickly City. Uh, woo-hoo. woohoo! Have you had a return of Elliot Serrano as one of the characters on your Prickly City? Oh, boy, uh, I feel terrible. Not yet. That's, right. no, that's actually, that's actually might do that this... Okay, I keep saying that. I gotta do that. Yes. That's right. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Let Elliot know. And he often joins us for Whiskey and a Cookie on Friday nights at 6.30. Are you available this week, Benny Chan? Let me know. I'm going to be traveling. So All right, then. Oh, be, that's right. Be, You're going be, to... Be out of the country. I'm so jealous. 
I'm so jealous. Have you been? Uh, to Cancun? Uh, I have never been to Cancun. I've been to Acapulco and Puerto Vallarta and uh, Except de la Sal and uh, Tosco, Puebla. Yeah, I've, been, I've been in, in Oaxaca. But I've, you know, I've, I've never, we've driven through Cuernavaca. I've always wanted to go back and go to Cuernavaca. But um, no, in Mexico, in Mexico City, obviously. Yeah. But I've never been to Cancun. My mom likes, is, um, Zietuanejo, I think, is near there, a fishing village. My mom, uh, that, it, it's not far from there that she likes to. Wait, is that like an hour south? I think so. It's, I don't know if it's an hour south or not, but it's I not think far. that's where we're going. Here's an old college friend. I, you know, he's one of these guys. I, I love him to death. We shared his studio for years in L.A., and there are stories, but we won't I'll tell bet. them right now. Okay, yeah, yeah. Anyway, and so um, he decided that he was in a he was a really talented musician, artist, and decided that he would rather make money. So um, he went and made a lot of money. Oh, and we kind of. But he's one of these friends who do you have these? They they, you, they contact you or you contact them and says, yeah, let's get to, let's let's talk like this weekend. I said, cool, great. And then six months later, yes. Oh, sorry, man, I got really busy. Well, especially like, the millionaires oh. in my life, yes. I only have one, but yeah, she, she does that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So anyway, his son is working in Cancun. They're working on a project down there, and he just out of the blue called and said, there's a dark sky. It's about a village about an hour, hour, 15-minute drive south of Cancun. Uh, we're going to grab a telescope, and we're just going to – and there's like four planets in the sky. It's a new moon that night, so it's going to be awesome. But, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully, he'll show up. <laughs> <You don't know. laughs> uh, so tell people what a dark sky town is. Okay, I am actually I'm a from I have been awarded I'm a dark sky defender awarded to me by the International Dark Sky Association and the dark sky means and this is where uh, Rahm Emanuel of all the things that he did not least of which is cut mental health funding but also yes the the Japanese government is having fun with him um, anyway he uh, they they replaced ten thousand lights in Chicago. And what you can do with dark skies is you can have the lights point. This is really – this is math even Patty and Scott can understand. The lights can point down. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, stay with me, kids. And instead of point both ways, and like most – like a lot of older lights do. Well, the little dweeb decided to go with the cheaper or the lights that aren't shaded. So Chicago is a terrible – terrible city, one of the worst in America for dark skies. A dark sky is exactly what it sounds like. It's dark enough where you can see not just the planets, not just the constellations, but the Milky Way. Um, you know, uh, and so that's that's what a dark sky is. And that's why, I mean, Chicago, uh, God, I was so mad at Rom for, for that. Uh, still, um, for not just for that, but, but among the things, and he refused to listen to the people. The woman, Audrey Fisher, was head of the Chicago Astronomical Society and really gave an impassioned uh, speech in front of the city council, uh, lobbied like crazy. Chicago, here's the thing. People who don't see the stars, there's actual physical uh, maladies that can be caused by not seeing nature. And not seeing the stars, they find people who are, don't live in dark skies have are more prone to heart disease, respiratory disorders. Hmm. Uh, and so kids in Chicago don't look up and they don't see uh, the wonders of the night sky. I'm trying to remember the first time I, I just was lying in the grass looking at the sky. I mean, like for Girl Scout camp, I remember at nine, you know, that was the first time I was away from the sky pollution, the light pollution in Chicago. Um, 
and so it was amazing. But I will say, when I was 19, I went to the Grand Canyon with my parents, and my mom and I were walking on this path. Like, it was a paved path, so it wasn't anywhere dangerous near the edge or anything. But I looked up, and I almost fell backwards because it looked so close. I had never, I mean, that's dark. I mean, the Grand Canyon, you're not going to get much darker than, like, just miles and miles of no light anywhere. And it was crazy. I mean, I felt like it was just surrounding me. I was yeah. so dazzled yeah. by it. Yeah, I had never seen that before so it is amazing they actually had a blackout in los angeles county a county-wide blackout and people were calling emergency because they said there's this cloud in the sky patty it was the milky way wow These people had were born and raised had never seen it that's wild um, yeah, and the reason I was a dark sky def- uh, is you can look it up online. I grew up, I drew a cartoon essay called "Growing Up Under a Starless Sky," and it's the story of a child growing up in Chicago without seeing stars. Really, I mean, it was so funny. I was at, we were at an event, a science uh, like a rally. Do you remember this? A museum of science and industry, and your artwork was up. Your your comics, like the, all the cells oh, of it. Yeah. somebody had that at the museum of science and industry. I was like, that's my friend Scott. <laughs> What? <laughs> He's a dark sky defender. Now, what? here's the thing, folks. Being named a dark sky defender, you no one has given me a cape. I think you need a cape. Dark sky defender, hundred percent. Hello, yes, <laughs> yes. I deserve I, a cape. Now, would it be kind of would it be silvery or would it be a dark cape and with just like scar like yes. like a Van Gogh? I think stars on starry like, night. Yeah. Oh, see, I love that. All right, then. I, love I like your thinking. I'm trying to see if it's Zietuan Neho that's the town that you're going to uh, near Cancun. Anyway, so you're going to Cancun this week, and you're going to be careful. You're going to mask up on that plane. You're going to bring some hand sanitizer with you. You don't need to be catching COVID a third time. I don't care how soon. No, I'm I have my, um, my N95. You were going to tell me about endorsements. Though. Yes. So uh, I was fascinated. You know, um, there was a race uh, for Congress last year, the third, the new third congressional. And it was uh, Delia Ramirez. And uh, I believe that's the right one, if I'm wrong, uh, forgive me, everybody. But Delia Ramirez, she was a state rep at the time, and uh, Alderman uh, Gilbert Viegas were running for that seat. And uh, Chewy Garcia came in heavy for Delia Ramirez, who is now who won that seat. And uh, and of course, um, you know, you think usually in the way I I uh, learned this, it, it was you know, you help people, and and it's sort of this, it is a bit. I think tit for tat, or uh, I don't know if that's it's, that's not quid pro quo, but it is. You rub my back, you help me. That's what I was told. Is like you, in order to like you know get ahead, you have to help somebody. And sure, like my sure. opponent had helped Chewy Garcia. I was very grateful that uh, Congressman Chewy Garcia stayed out of my race because the others didn't. Uh, Durbin and uh, I've had a great conversation with uh, my congressman with uh, Mike Quigley, and he was uh, he he. It was a great conversation, and he said he didn't realize the impact of endorsing somebody and uh, having his face on negative mailers, weaponizing the trauma of rape survivors. He was very, he was, he was um, very apologetic for his participation in that. So I was grateful. But anyway, uh, so Congresswoman Delia Ramirez, who got a tremendous amount of support from Chewy Garcia, and Chewy is very much, and this is why I was disappointed uh, in my race, is he's very much about electing more Latinos, uh, getting our, our, you know, our voices heard being at the table delia ramirez is endorsing brandon johnson for mayor of the city of chicago so <laughs> i was 
Wow. Yes. I, I, that was my reaction. I was just like, what? Because I, like, I try to, as soon as I see, you know, having, again, having uh, been on the inside, like all the things that they tell you when you're running for office, um, uh, all the exchange, and, and like, there's, it's just, it, my, my mind was just blown by the fact that she, yeah. I mean, what and, would be and her he, motivation? Is she that progressive? Does she just feel? Oh, like she she's definitely. Not? She's well. She's definitely. Uh, the, they, she said that the progressive in this race is Brandon Johnson and not Chewy Garcia, which I was just like, dude, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be. It's it's an interesting race, and I also read an article that someone uh, th- believe there are people that believe that Chewy actually makes it easier for Lori to win now, because the progressives will divide the votes amongst each other. You get all these look, people are always trying to figure out the numbers and the math and figure out who's you know are the Latinos going to vote for Chewy? Uh, you have a lot of black candidates. Uh, you know are those communities going to come out for Cam Buckner and Sophia King and divide the vote that way? Does Chewy have enough of a, a name recognition? They think that if it's Chewy and Lori head-to-head, that Lori has a better shot. I don't know. I mean, who knows? I mean, again, in, this, in the last race when uh, Rom stepped down and said he was not going to run again, he would, would you, did you have Lori Lightfoot on your next mayor of Chicago oh. scorecard? <laughs> God, mean, no. No. That was, because you had such great names like Mendoza. I mean, obviously a great name. You had um, Tony Preckwinkle, the president of the, of the county commission, who you just assumed would pretty much skate to that um, um, you know, I, I'm trying to remember who else was on that. Um, oh, in the race, uh, Paul Vallis McCarthy, the former uh, <laughs> chief, of pol- the superintendent of police. Right, right, right. Uh, J- um, Jamal Green oh, was no, on so, there. Yeah, yeah. Lori Lightfoot Amaya, was, not, yeah. was not there. Oh. And the fact that she, you know, wins a runoff against uh, Tony Preckwinkle with 70 percent of the vote or, or a little more. Was unbelievable, but it was wild. I gotta tell you, the, the the polling I'm hearing, like you know, the rumblings. I'm sure you're hearing the same thing. Is her numbers are terrible, and she won. Don't forget, she won with North Side, um, you know, and Liberals. Gold Coast North mm-hmm. Side Liberals, and those people are getting held up, robbed, and carjacked now, and that can't help your campaign. Well, and I don't know, and I think that that's something that progressives are pushing it back against this week with uh, with uh, Congressman uh, Garcia is that uh, his answer is to hire more police. They're hearing they're sometimes we hear what we want to hear, right? Um, and cherry pick someone's stance on something, but they're they're saying that che- that Chewy sounds too pro police now. His messaging is very much like the response to is is a law and order response. But I think that he also does work toward uh, answering the questions of why are we having these? You know, is it is it education and uh, financial support and having opportunities in these communities that it, it is all those things, mental health support for communities. Yeah. Well, that's who I would, you know, I mean, that's who you have to support is the person who is looking at these issues and t- in, in a serious way. Um, the homelessness, the, um, you know, which is a burgeoning and growing, obviously, for, for this, for all, you know, communities across the United States. But Chicago has an opportunity versus, um, what Rahm Emanuel did, which is you can actually increase funding for, uh, mental health, increase funding for homeless, uh, outreach, um, increase funding, uh, for, um, uh, uh oh gosh, uh, caseworkers. Uh, to, to, and that's where you're going to have some real tangible. It's hard. It's a slog. It's not very sexy. And guess what? People who need these services don't have lobbyists. Such <laughs> so a great point. It, it, and so it's people like Patty and others who have to stand up and say these people 
need and defend them and advocate for them. And I mean, you went down to, you had to go down. I mean, it's, it's mind boggling to me. It's mind boggling to me, Patty, that you had to go to Springfield to lobby, to get these legislators to recognize that children with special needs, maybe they need a little help. Maybe the parents need a little help. Well, and how hard how hard a sell was that? It was um, well. What I couldn't, what I was so surprised by, and look, I, I think I've said this before because uh, I'm not a cynic. I'm just I I am a, a little bit. I still got a little bit of Pollyanna in me. Like certainly, if they just knew how bad this was for people, they will do the right thing. I mean, come on. What I just I I found so unconscionable was the willingness that people had in Springfield to say, "Well, we we you know we're struggling financially, so let's cut services to people with disabilities, uh, children's after school programs, Meals on Wheels, uh, you know, drug addiction programs." And I was like, "This is where." I mean, I mean, it's these are groups of people who don't have the resources to send lobbyists to Springfield. I mean, like they they chose the people that are least likely to show up. So I'm like, hey, everybody, guess who's here? Yes, that's why I did that. That's why I did that. And I brought the weight of the radio station with me at the time. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, but, you know, to be fair, you really didn't want to have to fire the idiot nephew of some supporter of Mike Madigan. So, I mean, you know, yeah, then they they had advocates. (laughs) Well, and that and that was what was surprising was, uh, and it, look, there were Democrats that were like, "Well, how are we going to pay for it?" I'm like, I, I, "You're so you're going to pay for everything else, but not this, because tell me that you're not paying for the roads and construct. I mean, like, because if you did that, then people would get mad and say, "Oh, this affects me personally." You know, why does it hurt the most vulnerable, uh, those who have you know narrow margins by which to survive? By the way, let's come back to the city of Chicago and uh, what you mentioned with homelessness and our public transportation. I don't know if you mentioned public transportation, but I really do think that somebody has to come up with a solution to provide services at our hubs on the train lines rather than more armed guards. I mean, I get that there's an increase of homelessness on the trains. People are saying that they, I think that if we go to where the, go where the people are, if they're riding the trains and living in the shelters at the bus stations, let's figure out a way to make those connections to services and make sure that people are healthy and safe. Yeah. I mean, it just seems common sense. (laughs) <laughs> and again, there's no one. There's very few people out there advocating for these people, um, and, and it costs more to to make to, to yes. make it a, a a police situation to call somebody, call the police, and have someone round it up. It costs more to do that than to find a solution to make someone safe. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I don't be sorry. You're absolutely right. I mean, I'm sorry. You and I could. You, I look for solutions. You know, people say, "Well, you're, you know, you 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 were a Republican. I'm a recovering Republican." But I'm just like, I'm looking for solutions that work. Um, and how do we, you know? And you're absolutely right. By having, uh, by you know, getting involved at early is a hell of a lot cheaper than getting involved late. Yeah. Always. So let's let's do that. Let's see what the problem is. Let's see how we can manage it. Let's see what resources we have. What works. What doesn't. Um, and, and 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 just be be mindful of those types and, and and watchful of those kinds of policies. This isn't rocket science. This is what you would do in your life. I mean, and so it just stuns me when um, you know you look at not just there, but like I said, it's across the country. It's being mismanaged everywhere. Uh, with the fentanyl uh, epidemic now really yeah. coursing its way across this country, um, 
we, you know, we, this is not, this is going to get worse. And so we better address it in a serious way or it's just going to envelop us. Yep. I, I, I agree. I think that, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, have you ever seen the series, uh, Dope Sick? And I know it's also a book. I'd have the book at home on, uh, it's on Hulu no. right now, Michael Keaton. It's fascinating. It's oh my, it's fascinating. I had no idea about how the pharmaceutical companies were going into towns where there were people doing like the harder label, like labor, like in coal mine towns, places where people were, were had injuries. So when the doctor like, went to go see the doctors, they would give them this, this, these opioids because the doctors were being given massive amounts in order, you know, unknowingly at first to addict these people and uh, and they were you know given all kinds of you know you know all the pharmacy reps and here's your lattes and all your swag and all this and and it's it absolutely decimated communities and continues to have such a, a catastrophic effect on uh, on people all over the country now it's crazy yeah it really is and now it's uh, you know there's and, and what I don't, I mean, okay, that's another discussion for another time is the economics of being a drug dealer. I don't understand, for instance, you uh, recently a person was taking cocaine and they OD'd and passed away and they were, and that had been cut with fentanyl. I'm thinking, oh. doesn't that kind of, and that's not unusual. That's um, terrifying. Now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it certainly stopped me from taking it. Oh, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I got dark for a second. What? <laughs> no, I would. Oh, oh by the God, way, before we go to the break, and this is something yes. I talked about last week too. Do you know how much of a pay raise our state state legislators gave themselves? Oh shoot! I knew this. Uh, should we wait till after the break? No, I can tell you right now. It's sixteen percent. Right. Well, how go, many? I mean, I, all the people out there who had sixteen percent pay increases, uh, raise your hands. <laughs> And they were getting, look, they were, I know, so yeah, it, so they go from about 69000 to $85,000 a year. I Makes them the... Well, how do you... I, were the, was this, this, was this I, one of the automa- no, automatic pay rates? No, they, they're going to get, they're going to get that one in, in addition this coming, this coming summer. They'll get the one that's built in over the summer. Yep. Is it? So they're, wait, well, I'm sorry. Wait. Yeah. No, they... Uh, uh, <laughs> it, it, yep. They're able to vote themselves a pay cr- increase now. Yep. I mean, the sitting legislature can vote themselves. Well, they it was it, on their last. I, I want to say it was on their last day or the last few days of the last session. So not the not the uh, legislators that were just elected or reelected, but on the last day of the la- previous session, on like Monday or so. Yep. Well, I'm going to have to look into this because this may be the next cartoon. <laughs> I, that's why I was surprised that more people don't know about this. I was at a uh, – this is where I got in trouble with our uh, – well, I can't go into any details. <laughs> at some point, I might. But I was at a neighborhood meeting, and my elected, Lindsay LaPointe, Representative Lindsay LaPointe, was giving a presentation. And there were a couple of people there that you know wanted to challenge her on a couple of things. And one person said, did you vote for your pay raise, right? And she was like, um, uh, I'm going to have to – I'm going to have to – to check. I mean, and I, I was sitting there like, yeah, you did. <laughs> um, I mean, because it was in the budget. It's just automatic. You, if you voted for the budget, you voted for the pay raise. So I'll be curious to see if that comes up because people don't seem to know that they gave themselves a 16% pay raise. So, yeah. And that's okay. on, in addition to the automatic and that's going to happen in the again in, in the summer. Yeah. You can look that up. (laughs) Let's take a let's take a quick break here. We'll wrap up with Scott Stantis when we come back. He's the political political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. You can also find his work at gocomics.com. And what's the mini podcast again? Center Center Center, Clip. Center Clip. I always want to say Center Square. That's why I I have to ask you every time. Center Clip. Center Center Clip. Of course, if I was doing that. 
if, if I was doing it, I, I have to tell you, I had trouble with the app. That's part of why. I, he sent me the stuff, and it was. I th- he told me it's better on iPhones. Is that true? Do you know that, that that's a thing? Well, I have an iPhone, and it seems to work pretty well. Yeah. So I have to. Maybe it's me. I'm I'm a doofus, also a dork. Let's come back in a moment. You don't have, you don't have an iPhone? <laughs> no. Oh, I got two oh, droids. Right, 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 right. right yeah, I'm a right, droid girl. Right. Yeah. Let's take a break here. Come back and wrap up with our good friend Scott Santos on Driving Home with Me, Patty Vasquez. Stephanie Miller. We get an awful America-hating WNBA <laughs> player while Russia gets an international arms dealer. That's the thing about the whole Hunter Biden thing. Are we just ignoring that every rant he posts, he's obviously completely drunk coke and or to coke gills. to the gills? Allegedly. <laughs> right, allegedly, Chris. Did I say Adderall that he's crushed up and snorted. I'm sorry. Allegedly. Trump organization, criminal, criminal Trump organization is what's not alleged anymore. Right. Stephanie Miller, weekday mornings, 8 to 11, on WCPT 820. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez. You know what we should do? On WCPT 820. I should see if Steve Goody can do an intro song for you, Scott. Oh, let me turn this off. Yeah, that would be fun. Uh, We were talking to Scott. Mondays with Scott. (laughs) Mondays, Mondays with Scott. Uh, why I don't like Mondays. It's a damn stennis. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, we've got about a minute and a half here. Uh, you know what? What uh, what do you? So you're traveling to Cancun. Um, are there any uh, movies or books that you are currently reading that uh, you think people would be interested by? We were told that um, party party down the series was Ooh. yeah it was. It, it's it's been a while, and, but it got in great reviews, and we're about three or four episodes into it, and we're going really. So, huh. you, so you're not enjoying it. Well, it's it's Party it can down. be very crass. Mm-hmm. It can be very funny. The characters are good. the acting is very very strong. It's Jane Lynch is in there. Um, what's the oh my gosh? Oh, this is the remember. group of caterers. I remember this being sort of popular yes. for a little bit. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those shows that, oh, my oh. God, it got canceled too soon. So I love um, – there's an actress named Lizzie Kaplan who's on that, and I absolutely love her. She's so good. She was on the series of Masters of Sex. Uh, Casey Klein is her character on oh, that okay. show. She's got kind of oh, like yeah, brown – she's very good. Brown, she's tremendous. I'm a big fan. And I love uh, Jane Lynch and, and Megan Mullally. Uh, oh, she's oh, so good. We are in the middle of watching uh, Murders in the Building. That's, uh, we haven't finished oh, that yet. Oh, like how do you like it? I, I love it. Season- I, l- I love it. You, you don't like it as yeah, much? I think – no, no, I thought it started a little weak, and I thought, oh, boy, they're kind of mailing it, but it gets very strong at the yeah, end. Yeah, it's super good. Uh, follow Scott on uh, Twitter, and you can also find his work at gocomics.com at the Chicago Tribune, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Have a safe trip, my Yay. friend. Enjoy. I will. I'll let you tell you all about it. All right. Enjoy Cancun, okay. my best Janine. Is she going with you? No, it's, oh, no, it's you just are, a guy. You're a bad, you're bad husband. I'll talk to you later. No, 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 I'm kidding. no. I I'm kidding. She said no. Okay, that's fine. I'm just teasing okay. you. <laughs> Love you, my friend. <laughs> Love you, too. Talk to you later. That's our night. Thank you, Lady B. Uh, Mike Crute's up next with The Devil's Advocate. Be well, everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks.